Thank you, Lord Jesus. I don't know about you, but many times in my life when I felt like it was so far out of control that it seemed like there's no hope. And then you look back and you realize he had it all even in those times when it seemed like everything was so crazy and just so tore up. I'm glad he's that kind of a God today. Amen. Let's bow our heads together if you would. Lord Jesus, we so love you today. We thank you for the opportunity once again, Lord, that we can assemble ourselves together. Lord, I thank you that whenever your children are gathered, whether it's in a nice, comfortable building like this or out under a tree in Africa or under Old Brush Harbors, as some of our families used to gather, or in tents, or out under an oak, as it was with Abraham. You always show up. Lord, you know our needs today, our desires, our petitions that we bring before you. Father, truly forever born again child of God today, I'm sure their greatest desire is to please you, to know that you're happy with our lives. That's my petition, Lord, is to know that you are satisfied with me. Oh, I've been satisfied with you for decades of my life, but I just want to hear you say that you're satisfied with me. Because if you don't say that, then I've lived my life in vain. All of us have. People might brag on us and We might make a name for ourselves, either business or politics or whatever. But all that will seem as nothing when we stand before you that day. If you don't say, enter in to the joys of the Lord. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. So I pray today, Father, that you would help each of us, Lord. That that can be our greatest desire. Then everything else just falls in its place underneath that. As we've come here today, Lord, and our last Sunday being here and then one more Wednesday night, we're certainly reminiscing and thinking of all the things that you've done for us and all the lives that you've changed. How many healings, how many miracles, how many people's received the Holy Ghost, how many things you've done for us. And we're so happy for that today. But we're also so happy that when we walk out of here for our last time, we know we're not leaving you here, but we're taking you with us. So Father, we pray today that you'd speak to us and just take charge of the service, help me to get out of the way, I pray, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the saint said, now I'm not gonna talk about that very much, because I'm a big baby and I'll go to crying and I won't want to preach. <clears throat> so, Ruth chapter 3, verse 15. <clears throat> certainly, Brother Brad, Sister, and I see you all today. Each of you that are here, we certainly appreciate you. <clears throat> Ruth chapter 3, verse 15. While you're turning there, we have uh, another youth service tomorrow night over to Pavilion. Uh, Question and answers. One of my granddaughters asked me this week if I thought that I would get farther than one question. 
the reason she asked that was, was because that's as far as I got the last time. So, I'll tell you, I've, I've already been enjoying it myself. I hope the youth have, but they've asked some really, really good questions. And um, I so, so appreciate it. So, Lord willing, we'll be at the pavilion tomorrow night. It might be a little bit cool, but we just come expecting the Lord to move. Last time we was there, the presence of the Lord was just so wonderful. I turned the service back over to the brothers there, and I just watched the Spirit of God as it started moving over them young people, and I just felt the pulsation of the presence of the Lord to go back, back up again and just offer prayer and have them to pray for one another. That's what I'm talking about. There wasn't no carpet on the floor. There wasn't no air conditioning, no heating. But he showed up. And she showed up. <clears throat> Amen. Ruth chapter 3, verse 15. Also he said, bring the veil that thou hast upon thee and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six measures of barley and laid it on her and she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, Who art thou, my daughter? Who art thou? She's asked this twice in the book of Ruth. First time she was asked it by Boaz. Now she's being asked it by her mother-in-law. It's not that she doesn't know who she is, but she's wanting to know, has it been a success? Are you still Ruth, the Moabitess, or are you Ruth? the future wife of Boaz. And she told her all that the man had done to her. And she said, these six measures of barley gave he me. For he said to me, go not empty unto thy mother-in-law. Then said she, sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall. For the man will not be in rest until he hath finished the thing this day. May God bless his word. You may be seated. The Jewish Targum, which is one of the ancient writings of the Jews, says that verse this way. Sit, my daughter, with me in the house. Until the time that thou shalt know how it is decreed from heaven. How God's providence will work. It's amazing how God will work rest into such a nervous, tense time the way that she's looking at. Boaz has told her already, as we know, that there's another near kinsman. She probably thought in herself that it was all finished. He agreed to take care of her. But then Boaz lets her know that there's one more that's closer to her than he is. It must have been a heart-wrenching message to hear there was a possibility that she would miss being redeemed by such a man. But somehow, both her and Naomi felt they could trust the providence of God. Naomi 
of course, wasn't a prophetess as far as we know, but she received inspiration from the Lord. And she brings it right back to him doing the work and not Ruth. For the man will not be at rest, she said, until he has finished the thing this day. I'll tell you one thing, sometimes when we get all stressed out, that's what we need to realize. That it's very little what we can do anyway, but if we can commit everything that we are to him and know that nothing is out of his control. But as a mortal, you can imagine in her own heart, thinking that the possibility existed, that Tob, which was a brother of Elimelech, and Boaz being uh, a kinsman, but not the nearest one. And the prophet says it this way, when morning come, way before the break of day, she gathered up a great bunch of barley, six measures, I believe it was, put it in her little shawl, and went home. And Naomi said, my daughter, after she'd raised up from the altar, and notice where she met him. This was at his feet, and the prophet identifies this at the altar. So she stayed there until she was sure the work was done. Then she raises up from the altar, and he said, went back. Now what's going to happen, mama? What's going to take place? Rest, amen, rest. Ruth, because the man will have no rest until he's done the full price of redemption. Oh, I imagine Brother Brandon must have got pretty excited here because he said, amen, amen. Right there's where I stand. He says it again, amen. He will not rest until he's done the full price of redemption to redeem you. Everything you ever lost, everything you was. Notice, he said, I have the earnest of it now. I've took home a whole scarf full of barley. He gave it to her, measured it out, six measures, six men, the 6,000 years of existence of the world. Man's day is six, man created on the sixth day. There'll be 6,000 years that the world was created and the 7,000th God rested. 6,000 years the church will labor against sin with the power of God of these barley loaves, then go into the eternal rest. That's rest. Wait, six measures of fine barley. He put it in there to carry over until the time of redemption. Aren't you glad he's so mindful of us? Not only in the world that is to come, but right now in our everyday journey. I need him today, friends. I know, I know. I don't even know what tomorrow's gonna have, but I know I'm gonna need him. I know I'm gonna need him on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. And he's not just a God of, of the millennium and a God of the eighth day, but he's a God of your today. 
And the God, if you're needing healing, he's the God of that right now. You need a miracle, he's not only the God of the body change and the resurrection, but he's a God of divine healing right here in this service this morning. And when Ruth was resting, it was a type of the church resting in the promises of God. We have the earnest now of our salvation. We're not worried whether we're going over there or not. We're going. That's right. God said it. God promised it. We've got the earnest, amen, done, been received. Christ has accepted us. No way to get away from it now. We're there. We're there. We're there. Praise the Lord. He hath already translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. All you have to do is just wait till he's doing the kinsman redeemership and we have the earnest of it now waiting for the time when he comes back. Oh, come Lord Jesus. Now resting with the earnest of our inheritance that we know, now notice this is how we know. We know that something happened in us. We passed from death unto life and we're waiting, groaning with nature for the time when all will we receive an immortal life, an immortal fullness, our bodies will be redeemed. Everything's redeemed and we're just waiting for him, listen well, to return back from the gate. From the gate. Now, the next morning, the prophet said she woke up, she was happy, waiting, and the man come. And he had another kinsman that really had an option on the woman first. Have I got time to get that? That next one in the parable that had the option on you was the devil. So this thing right here that we worship so much and we love and we take such good care of it, the devil has a claim on it. But Brother Donnie, I'm a child of God, but your old stinking flesh ain't. You say, how's he got a claim on me? You got a navel, don't you? That means you were attached to a woman. That means you did not have a virgin birth by your natural seed line. But if you're born again by the Holy Ghost today, you've got a virgin birth on your soul. Praise the Lord Jesus. Not brought through a denomination, not brought through an affiliation. You didn't come by shaking a preacher's hand. You were born by the breath of God. You're virgin born. Your soul, friends, is virgin born and it cannot pass away. Oh my. The next one in the parable that had the claim on us was the devil. I love the way he goes down through this. Let's drop down a little bit. He said the devil couldn't die for sins because he was the very perverter that made sin. He could not do it. He would mar his 
inheritance. Now, the goel goes to the gate. The Hebrew word goel is the one which is the redeemer, the one that can pay the price. He must have the means to do it. He must be willing to do it. He must not only have the means to be able to pay the price then, but remember what he's going to do. Whoever redeems Ruth and Naomi takes on a future a future work of taking care of them for the rest of their life. You see, it's not just that he's going to do this one time and that's it. No, it was much more than that. The Goel assumes this full responsibility until they both are gone. Now, I want you to think about what the Lord Jesus did for us. It was not just one time at an altar 40 years ago or one time at an altar 20 years ago, but when he became our Goel, he assumed the full responsibility from the altar to your body change and from the body change to eternity you'll never outgrow you'll never outdo you'll never outtax the power of God whatever you need he is yours from the altar to eternity Oh, praise the Lord. I love this, this chapter here because the key theme in this chapter here in the book of Ruth, chapter four, it's, it's redemption. So the words buy and redeem and purchase are used 15 times just in this little short chapter. So the mystery of God is consummated in this very thing. Now notice this in Ruth chapter four, verse one. Then went Boaz up to the gate. Now this, their setting is totally different than ours. If we've got some legal transaction or something we need to do, we would go to a lawyer's office or we'd go to the courthouse and if you're wanting to look at a property or a deed, so you'd go to whichever sign is up there, register of deeds or county taxes or whatever more. But their place of business in this time was actually at the city gate. At the city gate was where people would buy, where they would barter, where they would go through and make transactions. What you notice now, Boaz alone goes to the gate. So where is Ruth? Ruth is doing what she's been told to do, and that is rest. Rest. Now, you know it would have been, in one way, much easier for her if she would have kind of tagged along and said, you know what, just in case you need my help, I will be there. I will go along with you, and if I need to testify on my own behalf, or if I need to say this or that, it must have been much harder for her to stay at home, like it is for us sometimes when we're waiting on God to manifest a promise. Oh, when we get under the anointing and we read the word and it becomes a rhema word of God to us and our soul, boy, we just look for the devil to box him in the jaws. But whenever the anointing comes off of us and we have to go back home and sit there and rest until the promise is fulfilled, how many knows it's tough going? Because the pains and the anxiety and the stress and all that you're dealing with, but yet he goes there by himself. Now notice what he does. And behold the kinsman of whom Boaz spake came by. Well, what a coincidence. So the kinsman of whom Boaz spake came by, unto whom he said, Ho, ho, such an one, turn aside, sit down here. Whoa. Now this man sounds like to me a man of authority. 
Now, he does not ask the man, do you have time? Uh, could you spare me five minutes? Would you care to come? I want you to notice the position that the Redeemer takes. Hallelujah. He's giving the orders. Oh, such an one, turn aside. Sit down. And he turned aside and sat down. Now, you believe whatever you want to believe about this, this would not have happened unless this man recognized the voice of authority. Hallelujah. Now, where is this happening? It's happening at the gate. And today, the gate would handle many, many different transactions. But this transaction is going to be one of redemption. Amen. Now, what's this? Let me give you a few scriptural references here. In Genesis 19.1, there came two angels at Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. Now, remember the prophet tells us that he was a mayor of the city. So the mayor would then identified where, not in the courthouse, but at the gate. So at the gate is where the angels of the Lord come in and they find him there and the scripture says he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. Another instance in the Bible in Genesis 23:10, Abraham trying to buy a burying place for Sarah and Ephron dwelt among the children of Hess and Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the audience of the children of Hess even of all that went in at the gate of his city. So Notice here, Abraham now is trying to buy a burial ground. Isn't this amazing? God gives him the whole country and says, every bit of it is yours. And his wife is dead and he don't even have a place to bury her. Now, would you have turned away from the promise of God and said, well, I'll not serve a God like that. God said this was all mine. God said every bit of it belonged to me. As far as I could walk to the east, the west, the north, and the south, and here my wife is dead, I ain't even got a place to even bury her. What kind of God is that? You know what? That never stumbled Abraham at all. But Abraham, by revelation, knew that a prophet had died many, many years prior to this. And by revelation, he must have found out where that prophet was buried. That prophet's name was Job. And there was a cave in the field there called Machpelah. And Abraham found out who owned that cave. And it was one of the sons of Heth. Now, what's amazing is that they found in the Hurrian text some years and years ago in archaeological decks, uh, text rather, of cuneiforms. And they would make these writings. And there's instances just like this one I just read to you where they were dealing with this in the gate. It was as if they were just reading Genesis. And they found this and Abraham knew. Now, according to the Hurrian text and according to what Abraham paid for this, it was an astronomical amount. It was an amount that was way over the top, the value of that cave. Well, at least it's what they thought. But you see, Abraham, it was revealed to him that the resurrection was going to strike in a certain field. It was going to strike in a certain place. I'm going to be at the right place at the right time, don't you? 
Now, to them, they laughed about it. They must have ridiculed this guy. And they thought, boy, we took this guy to the cleaners. I'm telling you what, we absolutely got him. Oh, but you imagine when Abraham walked out and stuck that title deed in his pocket and said, what a cheap price to pay for the resurrection. Oh, blessed be the Lord. There Sarah was buried, Abraham was buried, and you remember the story, why? Because it was revealed to them, and whenever Joseph died, they said, don't you leave my bones down here in Egypt. I want you to take me where? Take me back to the cave of Machpelah. Take me back to the Palestine, the land of promise. There is the promise of the resurrection. Don't bury me in some denomination. Don't bury me in Laodicea Pentecost. Don't bury me in some outfit made by man, but bury me in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus is the resurrection. Not in church entity, not in organization, not in some move made by man. Let me be buried in Christ the Word. So when the Word comes back, I come back with it. Remember Shechem, whenever he had defiled Dina and him and his father Hamor, they wanted Dina to be his wife. In Genesis 34, 20, Hamor and Shechem, his son, came unto the gate of their city and commune with the men of their city. Now this is what they told them, saying these men are peaceable. Why? Because the gate was the place of legal legislation. Their deeds, transactions, titles, purchases, all right there at the gate. No wonder Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So guess what? In order for that prophecy to be fulfilled, we're going to have to do some business at hell's gates. Praise the Lord. So where are we going to live right? At hell's gates. Where is it, friends? Right here in Carter County, Washington County. Every place on the earth today, hell is spreading itself and his gates are open. But by the grace of God, as the children of God, we will carry out our Father's business at hell's gates. And we will say, ho to such an one, sit down. We will say the demons of cancer come out in the name of Jesus Christ. We will say to suicide devils in the name of Jesus, take your hand off of God's children. We will do the Father's business facing hell's gates and say you will not destroy his church. Notice in Deuteronomy 16, 18. God, knowing the tradition of the time, God says, judges and officers, shalt thou make thee in all thy gates, which the Lord thy God giveth thee throughout thy tribes, and they shall judge the people with just judgment. Now this is something I'm not sure that a lot of people understand. Listen to this and discern the spirit, knowing surely that in the day of judgment, we will be brought face to face with this generation. And being ministers, 
we will be judges. Do you understand, friend? One day, I will have to stand and be a judge. Every God-called man will have to be a judge. What a serious thing. And the people to which we have spoken to and their attitude towards the word that we bring them will determine their eternal destination. Therefore, Lord, in that day, we would be a judge for or against the generation that we preach to. I beg you, don't make me a witness against you. Don't make me witness against you. Let me stand there with you. And you stand with me. And we stand together with the word. Notice now in verse two. And he took 10 men of the elders of the city and said, sit ye down here. And they sat down. You can tell these people wasn't Laodiceans because they don't mind nobody. Laodiceans that you know right now, ain't nobody telling me what to do, hallelujah. (laughs) You see, it shows us the power and the influence that this man had. No doubt because of his age, his wealth, and his prominence. For a man to be able to speak and people to do this. Now, notice in verse three, and he said, unto the kinsman Naomi that is come again out of the country of Moab, selleth a parcel of land, which was our brother's Elimelech's. And I thought to advertise to thee, Satan, saying, buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people. If thou will redeem it, redeem it. But if thou will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know for there is none to redeem it beside thee. So here it comes down between Boaz and Tob. Jesus and Satan. No archangels, no cherubims, no zoons, no bride, no church. Jesus and Satan. I am after thee. And he said, oh no. All I can say is it's a good thing Ruth didn't go. <laughs> you talking about crying. You talking about squalling by the hell. If he, she would have heard him say, I will redeem it. You see what this shows me about this man is, even though he was not as wealthy as Boaz, they had just come through a terrible famine. They had just come through a terrible time for years and people were distraught and starving and this man still had the means. You notice, 
He never even asked the price. So he was a man of some means, but never sent one thing to Naomi and Ruth until the property was mentioned. Well, praise the Lord. You see, a real child of God will give and do and don't expect nothing back. Easy to see this guy right here is a very self-centered individual. Oh my, wretched, wretched, willing, yes, oh yes, the land, the land. Listen, the prophet says, remember when Christ come, he never spoke of the Gentile church. I don't know if you ever thought of it this way or not, but the Lord Jesus actually never referred to the bride. He never even spoke about her. She was in him hid. But what did he do? He focused on redeeming Naomi. He was sent to his own. He tells his disciples, don't go to the Gentiles, but go to the Jews. Is that right? Now what's he focusing on first? He's focusing on redeeming Naomi. And when Naomi is redeemed, Ruth will follow. He came to his own and his own received him not. He was always to his own. Go not into the Gentiles. Go not into Samaria. But go to the lost sheep of Israel. He had to redeem that church. And when he redeemed that church, he got the Gentile bride. That was the bargain in it. What a bargain. Wow, praise the Lord. He got the bride when he redeemed the church. Notice again, he said, now Boaz, he had to make it public. Can you redeem her? He said, no. Then he had to make a public testimony, so he kicked off his shoe and throwed it at him. There you are. Let all Israel know I have redeemed Naomi and I also take root. I take root from my bride. Who was it? The Lord of the harvest. There she is. I redeem Naomi and I get Ruth and Ruth will be my bride. What did Jesus do? He made a public testimony when Satan could not die for sins because he was the sinner. I find it so amazing that this guy, as we go on in his reasons for not wanting to do it, he says he would mar his inheritance. And it would also mar his name. And the Bible don't even mention his name. He was concerned about saving his name and lost his name. Boaz was concerned about redemption and his name lives forever. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Notice a public testimony. Look what our Lord Jesus did. The innocent one, God of heaven, who didn't have to die. But he come down and made a public testimony by dying. Lifted up between the heavens and the earth. Stripped his clothes off of him. Hung him between the heavens and earth in shame. And died a sinful, shameful death to redeem us. A public testimony. What did he do? Kicked off his righteousness. He kicked that off. He laid it aside. He laid aside all of his dignity, everything aside and become a sinner and died for you. 
and die. Luke 2.52 says about him, and he grew in wisdom and stature before God and man. He kicked off his omnipotence. Kicked off all that great Shekinah that he was. And the first thing that come out of his mouth was, the same voice that said, let there be, and there was, is now crying. He becomes so helpless, he couldn't feed himself. Mary would have to change his diaper. He would cry when his little belly got empty and hunger, and he would cry like every other baby. Why? He kicked it off. Imagine sitting there outside the city when he raised the widow from Nain's boy and he sat outside the city and groaned with a headache. You imagine the disciples walking by and said, boys, y'all got any herbs? Y'all got anything? Peter and him looking and said, how can he? He just raised somebody from the dead. How can his head be hurting? How can he feel this way? He just sat and said, oh, Hey guys, will y'all come pray for me? You imagine the disciples laying hands on In Jesus' name, I lay hands on Jesus. Say, so you feeling better, Lord? No, but I will. I'll be good. I'll be. Let's just wait a minute. See him getting up and his eyes, you know, uncrossed from the pain and being nauseated and nerdy vomiting. And he said, I'm feeling better. Wow. He kicked it off. He couldn't wear that and redeem you. He couldn't wear that Shekinah robe and redeem you so he had to become sin. He who knew no sin becomes sin that we might become the very righteousness of God in him. You see, when Tob heard that there was property involved, immediately, without asking about the conditions, he says, I'll redeem it. Price wasn't mentioned. What else was mentioned? Mortgage against it? No, didn't even, didn't even concern him. And you know, Satan would love to have this earth. We know that he walked on it in its pre-Adamite state when the volcanoes were belching out of the core of the earth and the hot lava, and he was out here walking on it. Footprints means possession. So he's walking on the earth to claim it as his own. And yet all these years that he's been the God of this evil time and the prince of the power of the air and all of that, he still has no title to this earth. So when the opportunity seemed like it was there, he said, I'll take it. I want the earth. He thought that he had it by what he had man to do in the Garden of Eden. 
But God simply made the man leave and while him and Eve was walking out, the pillar far dropped right down in front of him. And the Lord God stopped him and said, I promise you, I will bring you back. And he don't turn to Adam, but he turns to Eve and says, I will put enmity between thee. I will put the enmity between thy seed and the seed of the serpent. Isn't it amazing that he said it to the woman instead of the man? I will bring you back. Oh, how Satan would love to have this earth. He loves this place. It don't seem like it now. Look what he's doing. Look, look since what I preached here Wednesday night. Look at another hurricane developing, another typhoon in the Philippines. Look at how it's just ravaging over the entire earth. Houses being blown away in Canada. I saw some this morning on the eastern coast to where the hurricane had come up to. They're just white houses plumb out into the water. Who's doing all of that? The prince of the power of the air. His kingdom is destruction and annihilation. It's, it's hard to imagine the Lord God when he looked at what he made and everything that he made was beautiful, but Satan loves to destroy such beauty. It's hard for us to imagine a being that gets something out of annihilating and destroying, yet he does. Oh, but I love this aspect of redemption in the future home. Paragraph 100, how striking now. He takes the place where we are to dwell in through the same process. Now he's called the church through justification, called through sanctification, filled it with the Holy Ghost and fire, then took it through the process. He himself, the Holy Spirit himself, the Son of God, could dwell in the human heart. Now it has to go through that before he can come into it. Notice he done the world where that bride is going to live in the same way, his same plan of salvation. So Noah preached repentance and the earth got down and repented under Noah. So Noah said, all right, you've repented, I'm gonna baptize you. Come on up here, let's get baptized. So that was Noah with his message and by his message, the earth got baptized in water. Praise the Lord Jesus. Then when Jesus comes to the earth, his blood drops on it, which is sanctification. Then the Holy Ghost is gonna come. You see, the earth ain't got the Holy Ghost yet. That's why sin's still around it. Same way with people who come to the message and come to the Lord, but they never go on to get the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The earth is under the display of the blood and has been for 2,000 years, and sin is more rampant now than it's ever been. But wait till she gets the Holy Ghost. What will the earth do? Similar to what you do when you got it. Well, glory, hallelujah. The earth will be spinning out there like a drunk man. Well, glory to God, hallelujah. What's happening? The earth is getting the Holy Ghost. The earth is getting redeemed. The earth is getting changed. Now the world to be redeemed for this redeemed person he uses the same method. He baptized the earth in water. You ready? Hold your nose, earth. And the earth comes out. And Noah builded an altar. And the sweet incense come up before the Lord. And he put his bow, his sign in the clouds. 
and said, I will no more destroy it. The earth got saved. But it wasn't no time. Sin started doing the same thing again. That's why getting saved ain't enough. You got to go on. Notice this. Shed his blood on it to sanctify and claim it. It's his. Satan tried to say, I'll give it to you. He said, no, sir, I'll buy it. Let it be a witness. He was lifted up for an ensign that he bought it. He purchased it. But now it has to go through the baptism of fire, holy fire from God, which cleanses the earth and the heavens. Now we go after the rapture that we're going into the battle of Armageddon, the earth. They will gather together as we've been looking at on Wednesday night. And the armies of the earth will gather against the armies of heaven. And God will allow nuclear fire to explode and cleanse the earth before the millennium. But remember, the millennium is the seventh day. God never was allowed to finish the millennium in the Garden of Eden. God made man, of course, and then God entered into the millennium. But Adam and his sin called God out of the millennium. And God put the millennium on hold. But the millennium will start again at the first day of that thousand years. Now under that it is still as a type of Noah coming out of the ark because it was still sin. In the millennium there will be people there that are not regenerated, not born again. They will be gathered together. Of course, at that great battle, that last one, whenever the fire of God will come down out of heaven, then God will lift the bride off of the earth and holy fire from heaven will come down and start moving on this earth and for thousands of miles deep. Remember, she still holds in her strata the scars of her ancient past. As I told you, beneath the Sahara, they found gigantic whales and skeletons of this and that, the Sahara Desert. Because at one time, it was a great placid lake. Very great, great out in Arizona, where it's so dry, and yet they found great lake beds and fish and fossils of all types of sea creatures. And she holds this in her strata, in her geological past. The millennium does not annihilate that no more than it annihilates all your bad memories of things that you done wrong when you was in sin. But don't worry, the holy fire from God will come and move upon the face of the earth and the strata which is running crooked because of the Andalusian destruction and all that's there, the Lord God will make her brand new. Oh, praise the Lord. And when we step out on it and John said, I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, descending from God out of heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. And when the capstone city comes down and sets upon the earth, you can dig 500 miles deep into the earth and you'll not find one more dinosaur bone. You'll not find no more crooked strata. You'll find no more, oh glory, no more signs of former sin. It's the same way with the Holy Ghost filled child of God. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Then it's purchased so the redeemed can live on it. Live in it in peace. Notice the baptism of fire is to cleanse it from sin, from sickness, from disease germs, from sinners, from the devil. Well, glory. And all of his group. He's to be cast out in the lake of fire. And I say praise the Lord about that. Holy fire from God comes down from heaven, out of heaven, and burns it up. Notice to make it ready for God 
to dwell in. For God in the new world that is to come is to dwell on the earth because you say, God, he dwells in the human heart. But he and the bride becomes one. And they go to their home in the new world. And the same plan of redemption is used to redeem both world and persons that live in it. Carol's asked me before, she said, you reckon there's other planets out there with life on it? I said, well, I really don't know. But I do know this, when it's all said and done, we wind up with the king. Maybe they had their chance, you know, and time's gone by, I don't know. But I know one thing, this is the future home of the heavenly bridegroom and the earthly bride. And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. I cannot redeem it for myself lest I mourn mine own inheritance. Lest I mar my own inheritance. Well, what in the world you reckon would Satan do if he had a half a dozen of them Holy Ghost filled folks down in hell? They'd turn hell upside down. You think he'd want any of these God sent, God called, Holy Ghost filled children of God in his kingdom? Well, I know he wants to take all that out of them and make them like icicles and ice cubes. Satan don't want a church full of the power of God. He don't want a church full of the Holy Ghost. He don't want a church to be there that believes the word and let the living God manifest himself among them. Why, goodness, no, that would mar his inheritance of being the devil. Now remember, Tob was already married. And he already had a wife. Now to bring the bride in, in the same house, without organized religion. Because you know one of the first sermons she'd play, why well, I'm against organized religion. <laughs> and after that and God done played, she'd be playing blasphemous names. And then she'd be playing the great heart in 1958. Don't worry, they'd never make it that far. She'd then be kicked out on the street. So the devil said, it would not be becoming of me to be able, well, what do you say? I've got to take this Gentile? Oh, goodness. I thought we was just talking about the earth. Oh, no. No, you see, this is her home. So whoever gets the earth gets her and vice versa. Whoever gets her gets the earth. Whoever gets the earth gets her. They, they cannot be divided. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, are, are you kidding me? Them people, I've heard them, I've heard them. Sometimes they get alone and they go to talking stuff, language. And I know they're all as dumb as a doorbell. There ain't no way in the world they know all them languages. 
I, I know how they are. I, I, I've had every one of them to a spot to where I knew they were about ready to quit. I, I knew it. I knew some of them even said it. This is my last day going to church. I ain't going back. I ain't doing this and that and the other. And don't you know they go in there and that knucklehead preacher gets up there and goes to follow them, the Spirit of God, I suppose. And he goes to preaching right down where they live. And then he goes to telling them what they talked about coming to church. And he goes to telling them what they talked about two days ago. And they're sitting there looking at one another and say, well, glory to God. Well, I said I wasn't coming back, but I believe I will. I said I couldn't make it no farther, but I believe I can. A moment before, all seemed lost. Revelation chapter 5, verse 2. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who was worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. And no man in heaven, nor in the earth, nor under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look there, just to even look. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open to read the book, neither to look thereon. It seemed it was all gone. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne. My brother Abraham said, where did this come from? He said, John had been looking right at this the whole time. But he was hid in the mystery of God, in the secret of God's presence. This is the angel that Moses talked to. This is the pillar of fire. This was what was in the burning bush. Where did he come out of? Stepped right out of the very being of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne, in the midst of the beast. Uh-oh. In the midst of elders. Uh, elders? Boaz called 10. Our master called 24. So where does he come? He's fixing to do business. He's at the gate in the throne. And he wants judges, witnesses, 12 representative of the Old Testament, 12 representative of the New. At the gate. And there was a lamb as had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth unto all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. The word redeem means to set free by paying a price. You see, we say it all the time. Oh, salvation is free. That's only from our perspective. It cost him so much. And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself lest I mar, destroy, corrupt, go to ruin, decay my own inheritance. Now this is what Boaz has been waiting to hear. 
Renounce her. Renounce your claim. He can't make him do it. He can't twist his arm. He cannot threaten him. He has to say it on his own. I don't want that holy roller bride. I don't want nothing to do with that resurrection and power. I don't want nothing to do with that seven seal message, that Malachi 4 stuff. I don't want nothing to do with that. Well, that's good. We want it all. You don't want it? Well, take it. Renounce it if that's what you want to do. But to us, it holds the mystery of our identity. Who are you, Ruth? Are you a Moabitess? No. Are you an American? No. Are you a German? No. I'm a seed of God. A child of God. Imagine Boaz is sitting there. I cannot redeem it for myself. Redeem thou my right to thyself. Say it, devil. Say it. For I cannot redeem her. You know why? He's a poor old devil. He ain't got no mercy. It takes a lot of mercy to redeem the bride and put up with us. And the devil ain't got no mercy. Come on, preach with me now. The devil ain't got no love. The devil ain't got no forgiveness. The devil ain't got no kindness. He ain't got no eternity. He ain't got no heaven. He ain't got no redemption. He ain't got no hallelujah to God. He ain't got no place to take you to. But hell, everything the devil has now is only in time. He belongs in the poorhouse. He don't even love his own people, much less love us. He ain't got no heaven to take you to. And let me just tell you right now, hell would not be a fitting place for an eternal attribute of God to live in one minute, much less for a thousand years. He ain't got no jasper walls. He ain't got no gates of pearl. He ain't got no river of life running down through the middle of it. He ain't got no great king, the invisible almighty sitting right there on the throne. He ain't got no angel standing there and saying, hallelujah, hallelujah, come on church. He ain't got no way to redeem you. So he said, well, I guess I might as well just let him go. (laughs) Think of it. Satan has nothing eternal. Hell is not eternal. Like a fire is not eternal. One of these days they will be annihilated and destroyed and when the devil is no more, you still will be. (laughs) 
So he tells Boaz, redeem thou my right. In the Hebrew, I love the way it words it here. Redeem my redemption. That navel is still there and I claim them. But I see right now, I ain't got no grace to that bunch of knuckleheads. They're going to take a lot of mercy. They're going to take a lot of grace. They're going to take a lot of forgiveness. And our Jesus has got more than we will ever need. Praise be to God. Oh, hallelujah. Notice this. Now this was the manner in the former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing. Okay, so we're talking about redemption and changing. Changing. (laughs) I figured somebody would get that. Redeeming and concerning changing, for to confirm all things, a man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor, and this was a testimony in Israel. So since they walked the land in sandals, sandals was a transferable title deed. Oh, glory. So shoes was a movable title. So you didn't have to go down to the courthouse. You didn't have to go down to let the lawyer do this or that. So standing right there before the witnesses, he was able to remove the sandal and be able to hand the ownership of Naomi and of Ruth and of the property. He forfeited his rights to walk on that ground. Lord have mercy children, I wish God, I wish God would reveal it to us today. The devil's trespassing on your health. He's trespassing on your peace. He's trespassing, he's barefooted, he's barefooted. He ain't got no right to walk all over you. He ain't got no right to claim your children. He ain't got no right to claim your husband. Oh my God! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! So the new owner gets the shoe. So I can see him as he starts back, thinking in his mind, I'm crazy. There ain't no way my father will ever accept me back home. If he hears I've been down here feeding the hogs, I've wasted all of his living. I brought terrible reproach on my daddy, my brother, rest of my family. Well, he's yet afar off, his father sees him. And he commands him to get a robe. And get what else? Some shoes. Why? Footprints mean possession. 
Glory to God, I'm not treading on devils today by the size of this number 10 and a half right here. I'm not, I'm not putting my natural foot over them. I'm gonna put my spiritual gospel feet because we have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Oh, he'll try to put up a fight, but leave your heel mark on his head. Let me close. That day on Calvary, for Satan had the earth, the very rocks that he once walked up and down on the earth, burning brimstone. Lucifer was the son of the morning. And he walked on the earth when it was a burning volcanic. The same rocks that had cooled off and when Jesus died at Calvary, belched forth out of the earth. I saw a gigantic picture the other day, this week, of a dinosaur. It was humongous. I had a man standing there by it and they explained how the, you know, the sedimentary, this and that and the other, this happened and that happened, and preserved it and done all of that. I thought, my goodness. I told you before, me and Carol was down in South Africa down in a, in a mine, and you go down a shaft, and then you get down in a car, and you go way back underneath there. And they stopped this little train that we're on, and the guide tells us, everybody look up. And there is a gigantic dinosaur footprint on the roof. Why? At one time, that was his possession. Look out here, Gray. Going to move his road several years ago. Found beavers and stuff out there the size of Volkswagens. They didn't even know there was such a thing through here. But what was it? They left their footprints. The sign that they once walked up and down gray. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I think it's time that we as the people of God make our footprints on the promise of the word. Satan, out of my body. Evil spirits, out of my home, out of my family. I want my children. I want my health back. I want my family back. I want my peace back. Now, can you imagine when the Lord Jesus died at Calvary and he went to shake in this old earth? And the prophet said when Jesus died on Calvary, they belched forth out of the earth. So there must have been at least a few footprints of the devil that was on some of them rocks that was laying down there. I was down on, uh, on, uh, at that place uh, there going down 75 south called the Lost Sea. Any of y'all ever been there? The Lost Sea, you know what it is? It's a, underground caves and all that. So I was down there several years ago and uh, that guy said that they did fall and I said, sir, can you tell me when all these rocks and stuff had fallen? So well, we've dated it back to 2,000 years ago. Of course, I was aware of this, this quote. I like to shout at that glass bottom boat. 
I felt like walking on that lake. I thought, yeah, uh-huh. I'm more familiar with that than you are. You're a, gene- a geologist and this ologist and that all, but I'm a son of God and this is my inheritance. And the Lord shook it and said, look, Donnie, look, there's some of the devil's footprints. It don't belong to him no more. It belongs to you. It don't belong to sin no more. It belongs to you. God put it back into the hands of a man, back to what he was looking for. He had to weep no more. He broke the backbone of Satan there at Calvary, the backbone of sin, of sickness. And it brings every mortal being on the earth back into the presence of God with sins forgiven. Verse 8. Therefore the kinsman said unto Boaz, Buy it for thee. So he drew off his shoe. Now all I can say is it's a good thing that Ruth wasn't there. Because this also took in what is known in the book of Deuteronomy as the Leveret Law. That means that the nearest of kinsmen was supposed to marry Ruth. Firstborn son would be named after Malon, and he would also get a portion of his inheritance. And if a man refused to do that, that widow walked up and smacked him right in the face. And then spit in his face. Jesus delayed the smack and the spit. He broke the back of Satan himself. But on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost come back, the church started smacking the devil around. And guess what? She's been smacking ever since. (laughs) Oh, glory to God. Aren't you glad you're a part of the serpent bruising family? Whew. Let's bury it together. Praise God. I don't know if you noticed it or not, but this is the second time that he says this. God makes the devil bow down, don't he? He said it over in this other verse, now he's saying it again. Submitting to the law of God. He has to buy it for you. I can't do it. I don't have the grace. I don't have the mercy. I don't have the power. I don't have what it takes to keep them people. Buy it for yourself. Lord Jesus, oh, Father God, I pray today if there's one here that does not know you in this way, maybe they've given you their heart and they've accepted you as their savior that's wonderful but that's sort of what little Ruth did she laid there at his feet at the cross until something had happened but she still isn't redeemed yet she still isn't part of the inheritance yet 
There's more yet to be done. Lord God, I pray. Not only those in the visible audience, but those that are streaming. All over Europe today, plumb up in Iceland, down in New Zealand, Australia, in Asia, all over the world, people will stream and go back and archive this service. Would you deal with their hearts, Father? Lord God, in the name of Jesus, may the Spirit of God reach out, not in these radio waves, but this internet capability. May you touch hearts, Lord Jesus. Maybe it's a little lady that's been afflicted with something in her body, but she heard the voice of God speak to her today. Not a little bitty old hillbilly Kentucky preacher, but she heard a rhema word from God say, walk on his head, daughter. Walk on his head, son. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Maybe some oppressed, some sad. Maybe they need to move financially, Lord, whatever it is. Your word says, my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory. Again, it is written in your word, delight thyself also in the Lord. He will give thee the desires of thine heart. Again, it is said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will, and it shall be given you. Again, it's written, hitherto you have asked nothing in my name, but ask, and you shall receive. Oh, Lord God, we believe these promises today. Minister to the needs of your children, Father. Grant it, Lord God. We cannot do your part in this great plan of redemption. But neither will you do ours. So we must get in our position and do everything we're called to do. Help us, Father, as you have partnershiped with man in the work of redemption. Insomuch that Paul tells us in the book of Corinthians that you have given to us the word and the ministry of reconciliation. Then he says, I beseech you, therefore, be ye reconciled to God. Oh, Jesus, come by this way today, Lord, I pray. If there's any here, Lord, that hasn't received the Holy Ghost, may the Holy Ghost fall among us right now, Lord. In the name of Jesus, fill souls, Lord. Apply the token, the seal to their soul. Grant it, I pray, Father. We worship you today, Lord Jesus. How many would just like to take a few minutes in his presence and just worship him now? No matter what you need, friend, physical healing, maybe it's in your spirit. You've been wounded, you've been hurt, you've been disappointed, let down by people, whatever more. It seems like you can't get over the top of that. Maybe it's a loss of a loved one or... Maybe it's a separation between you and a friend and it's just so weighing on you. Whatever it is, our Lord Jesus is more than able. He has more than enough wealth to take care of the need of every human being on the earth and we wouldn't even touch a little bit of His grace. Unlike that poor old devil that ain't got no grace and no mercy and no love and no healing and no resurrection, Our Lord Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. It's who he is. 
Healing is who He is. Deliverance, peace, it's who He is. We worship You, Lord God. Sing something for us, Harry. Let's just, let's just worship now just a little bit. Let's just see what the Lord will do for us. You deserve the glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hold your request now in your heart. Let's just praise Lord, Him together. Lord, we lift our hands. Yes, we do, Father. In worship. We bless you, Lord. As we lift your holy name you deserve deserve the glory and the honor Lord we lift our hands thank you Jesus hallelujah as we
glory and the
only God is power. None can contend. You're the only God whose name and praise will never end. You're the only God who's worthy of everything we can give. You are God, and that's just the way.
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you lay your hand on that person standing by you? We're going to offer prayer. Heavenly Father, it's written in your word. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall lay their hands on the sick. They shall recover. The word goes on to tell us the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth. It's not just a preacher. Lord God, these believers have their hands one upon the other. I pray right now, Father, in Jesus' name, may sickness leave them. Lord, you see, Father, here we come to a closing chapter in our church family. And we feel heavy-hearted today and all of that. But I pray you'll just help each one, Lord. May you just comfort their hearts and just strengthen them today, Father. Heal the sick. May demons leave out of people's bodies right now, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, we worship you, Lord. Oh, we bless your name, Father. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We bless you, Father. Oh, how many knows he's been so good to us? He's blessed us so much and done so many wonderful things for us. I think we owe it to him just to love him a little and just praise him. He's been so good. Praise the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord Jesus. We bless your name, Lord. I worship you, Lord God. I worship you, O God. You realize this this week is Rosh Hashanah. In other words, Feast of the Trumpets for the Jews. Feast of the Trumpets. It's the first of the last, the feasts come in threes, you know, the first section of threes and then the last section of threes, and this is the first of the last section. <clears throat> comes with this, Yom Kippur, of course, the Day of Atonement, and then the Feast of Tabernacles. And this is where we are, the Feast of Trumpets, the trumpets being blowed, the gospel trumpets to call us as his people to the Feast of the End Time. I'm glad I heard it. We're not feeding on the words of some man, but we're feeding on the unfailing body word of the Son of Man. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, praise the Lord. Let's sing midnight in the middle of the day. Praise the Lord. The sun was hot, the angry mob gathered by the gray stone up a little bit. As a man dressed in velvet with his curly black beard Stepped out on his balcony Nervously washing his hands to rid him of the blood He would never wash away His wrinkled brow 
Well, what a service. What a way to leave here. Praise the Lord. Isn't God good? Give him a good hand clap of praise this morning. sing just a little bit of that before we leave today. Shake hands with somebody. You'll never be together like this again. I promise you that. So shake hands with somebody. Tell them let's go have church somewhere else. Praise the Lord. Our God reigns. Yes, our God but you're dismissed it's over it's not over we're going to take this feeling with us wherever we go praise the Lord have you enjoyed church today amen brother Von Goo sister Angela so good to have y'all in with with, you're just back home that's all you're just back home we're so glad to have you here all of our visitors may the Lord bless you give our visitors one more hand this morning if you would praise the Lord Amen. Brother Joel, come here. That's the voice of authority telling you. <laughs> oh, come here. <laughs> Say just a little bit of anybody ask you where we're going. You can be dismissed as Brother Joel sings this for us today.
I'm gonna do something first while I got this opportunity. How's that? Is that all right? Okay. If you wanna know where I'm going, what about you?
Yeah. 